Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it's Texas Football Today. A show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today. She is making us sound good and look as good as we possibly can. She's the dust of the dorks. She's Ashley Pickle. Hi, Ashley. Howdy. Did you dress up? Okay, For Halloween? The, yeah. No. So the one I thing, sat on my couch. I so dressed up thing, as a bum. So we put out... Um, for a couple of reasons, a for like safety reasons, and b for um, because we he he was actually sleeping. Um, we put out a bowl of candy. We put up a sign that said, "Please don't ring the doorbell. Our little monster is sleeping," or whatever. You know what I mean? Please just take a take a candy. Right. Um, and but I did see the one thing I saw on Instagram that I was impressed with is the candy shoot. Did you see this? Mm-mm. Like people would do this, that it would be like, all right, here's what we're gonna do. Is like I'm gonna stand, like I'm standing here, and then pickles about ten feet away from me in the studio. Mm, yeah, is that they had a chute, like made out of whatever, that would go down. You put your bucket at the bottom of it, and they put the candy in and slides into the. Oh, cutter. nice! Right, so you're maintaining the distance. Very you're nice. Not throwing candy at kids and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. One, hey kid, catch! Cool. Just gonna <laughs> whopper in the eye. Great. <laughs> My, my Knocked wife, out by a Snickers. <laughs> my wife did come through with good candy this year. Ooh, so, so let's go. Yeah, Very nice. Um, also, um, as the father of an almost two-year-old, mm-hmm. okay, let me look into the camera, I like to have a moment uh, with Daylight Savings Time. Hey, oh, Daylight yeah. Savings Time. <laughs> I'm, doing something, I'm doing something with my finger underneath the, uh, the banner, yeah. okay, because it's a family show. Mm-hmm. I'm holding up one finger. Guess which one it is? Awful. Awful. Oh, yeah. Because you know what? You know who doesn't care that the clock's, clock's changed? Mm-hmm. A 22-month-old. Yep. <laughs> anyway, today is Monday, November 2nd, 2020. It's 10 2020 We are a numbers podcast. No, it's 11 2020 We are not a numbers podcast. We're not a numbers podcast. Um... <laughs> 20, we don't know what day it is. 24, th- 24 days till Thanksgiving. I've said 1,059. 1,059 this is the Marcus Thames Up edition. On today's show, guys, we're going an hour. Do it live. F it. We'll do it live. Got a lot to get to. We've got Monday morning fallout overreacting to the football weekend. We're going to hear talk with the head coach of the 9-0, yeah. Norman G. 
Panthers, who this right? week have an opportunity to do to clinch their first unbeaten district or unbeaten regular season since 1989. We'll hear from Coach Keith Sitton coming up here in just a minute. Then we'll have the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press rankings reveal. We will tell you who's the newest entries to the UAL 100 lists. We'll announce the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees and the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week, and we'll round it all out with a nice campus crawl. We'll look at the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas. Right? Cool? Yep. You down with that? I got all that ready up, ready to go. Ugh. Cool. <laughs> my my speech is not ready to go, but all Apparently the graphics not. are. <laughs> Apparently not. All right. Pickle, hit the air ride It's time for Monday Morning Fallout. I was ready that time. Monday Morning Fallout, of course. <laughs> where we overreact to the football weekend and a lot to overreact to. Let's start with my three big thoughts. Thought number one, provisional status confirmed. There were a couple of teams, and I'll just say this. I think that, that when people take a look at the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press Texas High School Football Rankings, I think people have to realize that teams are in the rankings for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yes, obviously, if you're in the rankings, we think you're pretty good. Okay? That's, uh, it's, it's mostly based on quality. But there will be teams that we will give kind of a trial run in the rankings that will just be like, you know what? I think you're pretty good, but we know you've got another game coming up that we want to see how you react. And so we're going to put you in the rankings, mm-hmm. and then you go and show us. Because it makes sense to put you at 10 and then bump you up than right. to do two good games and go, well, yeah, well shoot, we should, let's throw them at three. We you know? had them. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's certainly a, an element of like, we don't want to be perceived as like overreacting, right? And things like that. And so, if we have a feeling a team might be good, let's nudge. We'll up a nudge them bit. up into the rankings, give them a shot, and then if they win, there they go. go Such was the case, I would say, with one of the biggest winners of the weekend, which was the game that you were at, which mm-hmm. is Huntsville. Yeah, Huntsville goes uh, and 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 clobbers a and consolidated. We had them number ten. They entered the rankings last week, number ten, and we did that kind of specifically because it's like, all right. We think you're pretty good. Mm-hmm. We think you've got a shot. But you got to go beat the number three team to stay in the rankings, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that the carrot is obviously there. Well, they showed up big, and they were very impressive in their win. Without their head coach and without their leading receiver. Right. <laughs> they were awfully impressive in their win over Anim Consolidated. I would say that that is an example of, of a team that we kind of put into the rankings from a provisional status, and then they go and, and prove us – you know, make us look smart for putting them in the rank. Right. right? It's a no-lose situation for us uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I would say also that, like, you had a situation similar in 4A Division One with Midlothian Heritage. Mm-hmm. Midlothian Heritage goes and beats Waco La Vega. They were unranked. We were like, all right, you know what? We're going to put you back in the rankings. Knowing full well that you got to go and take on Stephenville. Go to the big country and beat Stephenville. Sure enough, they were able to go do that. Uh, a situation uh, like that. Um that is, to me, a decent use of the rankings. I'll give you another example on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. Okay, Columbus. A couple of weeks ago, in 3A Division One, we nudged Columbus into the rankings. Part of it was that they had looked obviously very good. We thought they were very impressive. But we also knew that coming up, they were going to have a tough test against Hallettsville. We thought, okay, we're going to find out a lot about Columbus. They've, they end up losing to Hallettsville 45-14. Uh, and so we're like, all right give you a shot. We're going to nudge you back out of the rankings now. So in a lot of ways, you've got to think of these rankings as teams that are on our radar, right? 
We don't necessarily we don't necessarily think like like you know maybe we put a team at number nine. We may not necessarily think they're the ninth best team in the state, but we also think that they've got the resume to deserve to be to spot there and know that they will have a challenge coming up. That's that's kind of one thing that I have my eye uh, on my mind this weekend specifically with what Huntsville was able to do. Thought number two: quarterbacks matter. And let's talk about the college football ranks, yeah. where you can very obviously see. Um, I mean, I don't want to say the haves and the have-nots, but like, if you have a quarterback that you feel pretty good about, you had a pretty good weekend. Okay, mm-hmm. let's take for example, um, Texas. Texas. Texas goes on the road and beats um, Oklahoma State thanks to a big game from a lot of different guys, but obviously they have a quarterback they trust. Mm-hmm. In Sam Ellinger, they go on the road, they knock off the number six pokes, hand them the first loss of the year, right? SMU, SMU with Shane Bouchelle, even without Reggie Robertson, a number of their weapons, they go on the, they go and they beat Navy, a team that's kind of been a thorn in their side historically. Mm-hmm. They hang fifty-one on them. Quarterbacks have an impact. I thought A&M, Kellen Mond, yep. goes out there, has a really nice game against Arkansas, and kind of ter- kind of keeps them, holds them, holds Arkansas at arm's length. That every time they needed to score, he came up big. And I hate to say it, but let's also count Rice among them. Oh, Rice yeah. brings in Mike Collins. They were a big question mark last year as far as quarterbacks are concerned. They bring in Mike Collins. Mike Collins is a really nice game. They beat Southern Miss on the road. Yeah. Handily. Big game. On the other hand. You have Baylor. You got teams like Baylor where, I mean, I don't know what's broken with Charlie Brewer, but something's broken with Charlie Brewer. Mm-hmm. They fall into a huge hole. They end up trying to make it interesting at the end. It ends up not coming true. They lose to, they lose to TCU. TCU. It just a terrible game. It just not not very fun to watch. Texas Tech, I think, is in a similar situation mm-hmm. where they are trying to figure out what they've got. They move to Henry Columbia. Henry Columbia goes in, and obviously they're taking on Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a pretty good team, but just offense wasn't there. UTSA is still trying to figure out what their quarterback situation is. Like Brady McBride for Texas State has been eh, kind of up and down. Quarterbacks matter, and I think you're seeing that kind of come into focus with the college ranks. And thought number three, margin mayhem. Let's talk about a couple of teams. We don't like to go gaga over, um, like, if a team beats a, beats another team by 60, we don't necessarily always want to go crazy. I'll give you a perfect example, okay? Uh, let's look at what Brock did to Peaster this past week. Mm-hmm. Brock beat Peaster 58 to nothing. okay? It was 48 nothing in the first, like, with eight minutes left in the first good half. Good win for Brock. <laughs> good, win, good win for Brock. Not necessarily all that uh, surprising, right. okay? But let's take a look at a couple of teams that... The margins just have to, like, I think, wow you and, 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 and make your eyes open a little bit. Let's start in 6A with Bridgeland. Well, Bridgeland did to Side Park, 62-20. to 20, mm-hmm. Just absolutely hammering them. Absolutely hammering a 4 and one Side Park team. Now, I thought that I picked Bridgeland. I thought Bridgeland was going to win that game. Right. Not by 42. Duh, okay. bears. Let's go to 2A Division One. Probably the biggest result of the weekend. Yeah. The most stunning result of the weekend was Timpson. Timpson's 63 to nothing win over Joaquin. That was insane. 63 to nothing. Like, that, and I mentioned this on my, um, my instant reaction video, but, and I think I mentioned it on the scoreboard too. Tell me who's going to beat them in Region 3. Because I'll yeah. tell you who I think is the second best team in Region 3, mm-hmm. the team they just beat by 63. Yep. Now, we'll talk with another coach coming up in a moment who may have an argument to that in Norman G, but. Right now, what Timpson did last week to, to Joaquin is, is eye-popping. And then, we'll be remiss if we didn't... If, if maybe you missed it on Saturday, because it was a Saturday game. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, but Martin Bremond finally played, and we thought that was going to be the first big test for for Mart in right. district as far as the two A Division two teams. Concerned. You still figured that they'll probably win, but uh... <laughs> and Mart won seventy eight to six. Yeah, Mart was up fifty to nothing, nothing at, at halftime. <laughs> so we don't want to go crazy over margins. We don't want to go crazy, but there are some times that when you put them into context, you really have to just like eyes wide open. With what that looked like. Those are my three big thoughts. Three helmet stickers. A helmet sticker for Magnolia West tight end Marcus Collins. Who says the tight end is dead? He caught five passes for 233 yards and four touchdowns for Magnolia West in their big one. Rice running back Juma Odoviano. We just got done talking a lot about quarterbacks. But let's give some love to the running game as well. Uh, Mike Collins was sharp, but Juma Odoviano goes for 111 yards, kind of pacing that offense uh, there for, for Rice as they go on uh, and take down Southern Miss. Um... Uh, 30 to 6 and looked very good doing it. Jumel Vano gets a helmet sticker. And helmet sticker to Bernie quarterback Rashawn Galloway. They had a huge game this week against Lavernia and they came up aces. 28 of 40, 333 yards and three touchdown passing and he added a touchdown on the ground for Bernie quarterback Rashawn Galloway. A helmet sticker for him. Three teams to watch. We're done with three teams to worry about because we're deep enough in the season that if, if we're still so worried about, about you. worried about you, just sorry about you. Mansfield Timberview. Mansfield Timberview, you be quiet. Uh, Mansfield Timberview goes and gets a really nice win over Joshua, sixty-one to fourteen. And the reason that they're a team to watch is this week it's Alito in their zone in five five eight division two. Alito has won a million district games in a row. Timberview is a team that can, I think, can definitely challenge them. So, team to keep an eye on is Mansfield Timberview. Let's talk about the A and M Aggies. Um, in a game that traditionally gets weird, they didn't let it get weird. Mm-hmm. And that, by the way, that score is not it's not as close as, as, as it indicates. I mean, a, uh, this game was 42-17 uh, going to the fourth quarter. They gave up a couple touchdowns late, but but th- this game never felt like it was in doubt. Um, and, you know, look, am I, am I in love with everything that A&M did? No. But at the same time, you keep doing what they're doing, and, and especially getting big-time receiving help uh, from guys like Aeneas Smith and Jalen Weidermeyer. They're going to be just fine. You right do now. a weird game, too, on a Halloween night, and yeah. that, that, that adds a little bit to it. Full moon. <laughs> most certainly. Most certainly. So, a and And Cannondale, in a very weird non-district matchup in Week 10, they take on Wimberley and end up winning a, a, a low-scoring slugfest, 17-14. Um, and, and a great win for Cannondale, who, by the way, very, very suddenly is a team to, to keep an eye on. Uh, like, they've just kind of been bobbing along there. Uh, but uh, but but Kennedale is a team that, that I've certainly got my eye on, and I think you should have your eye on, too. Three teams to watch. We're now moving into three to C. The three games I'm most excited about this coming weekend. One, God East to Longview. Highland Park visits Longview in a game that we've had our eye on basically since realignment came out. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, two teams, like a great measuring stick for both teams. Both teams have a kind of mixed results right now. And so I'm interested to see who's able to come through in, in, in this big, critical district matchup. Uh, Highland Park going on the road to, to Lobo Stadium. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. West Virginia, Texas. Um, the question is, can Texas perform as a favorite? Like, they have every reason to feel good about themselves, but now they need to come home and take care of a team that I think they're better than, but is certainly good enough to beat them in West Virginia. Uh, uh, West Virginia and Texas, I've got my eye on this weekend. And finally, Wheeler and Wellington, 2A Division II. Um, if you want to start talking about who 
Um, two division two, is that right? Um, yeah, I think so. Wellington has kind of been bobbing along, underrated, eight and zero right now. Going up against Wheeler, who's eight and one, number five versus number three. Number five Wheeler at number three Wellington. That game will be a lot of fun. Wheeler and Wellington rounds out three to see and rounds out Monday morning fallout. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. That is our subscription package. Two magazines, a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com. Uh, and, yeah, go there. You get uh, the recruiting edition, which we're working on right now. you also be in tune to get the 2021 summer edition. Plus, a lot of great content, including playoff projections. Playoff projections, if you want that. TexasFootball.com slash subscribe to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider right about now. Um Yes, also, we're getting everything prepped for the playoffs because, believe it or not, a week from today, we should, a week from today, we'll have the brackets up. We'll have brackets, texasfootball.com. Our goal, I, I want to set the, the expectation, our goal is to have brackets for you on Saturday night when after everything goes final. It may end up being Sunday morning. We're also going to be tracking down game pairings, so if you need to know where um, Pickle High School is playing Tepper High School, we can... Let you know about that. Uh, that's going to be at texasfootball.com slash playoffs per usual, but we will have, we will be your one stop shop for the Texas high school football playoffs. One other thing that I want to tell you is that we are going to, and we'll t- get more into our coverage of the playoffs, but we are going to be splitting up a couple of our big things. For example, Step and I, starting next week, are going to start doing two episodes of Tep and Step. We're going to do one for the playoffs and one for the 6A5A regular season. They'll probably be a little bit shorter, but we're going to do two podcasts. Uh, Pickle has also signed up to do two picks videos. Yeehaw. <laughs> Look how excited she is. Pumped. Pickle, let's go to the hotline. Let's bring in the head coach of the 9-0 and undefeated Norman G. Panthers. We are joined by Coach Keith Sitton. Coach, how are you? I'm great. How about yourself? Doing excellent. How are things in the beautiful Brazos Valley? <laughs> it's, it's pretty good right now. Uh, things are going well. Yeah, I, certainly. Uh, you guys are, are 9-0 and after going and, and getting a huge win on the road at Centerville, 56-26, to uh, off, off to a 9-0 and start. You know, this is a uh, uh, this comes a bit of a surprise to us. This is not where we thought that this, this district was going to shake out, but you guys have really taken command. Has this team, has this team exceeded your expectations so far this season? Well, we felt like we had an opportunity to uh, to be successful. I mean, uh, we knew we had a lot of skill coming back. I mean, it was a matter of of how well our offensive line and defensive lines would gel with the with the kids that we lost. You know, so um, and that's they've really exceeded our expectations. I mean, uh, um, you know, I'm, the thing about this group is is they've played a lot of football. I mean, they've been starting a couple of these guys since they were freshmen. You know, so there's a lot of football that they've been played, and and some of the, some of the issues that we had last year about finishing games, we've never. I mean, that's just stuff that's just kind of been like water off a duck's back this year. You know, we've the adversity that we've had to face, it's not phased them, and we've just kind of powered right on through that. 
I want to ask you a little bit about last year because you guys go uh, end up going six and six on the year. You win a playoff game uh, over Hawkins, and then you, uh, you 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 run into San Augustine, which is a team that has obviously been uh, been dominant there in, in Region Three. Um, and I think most people might look at that and say, "Oh, well, you know, a, a second round, uh, they get there and then, then they bounce. You know, what's the big deal?" How important do you think it was for your guys to get that kind of that kind of high pressure, important game experience, both in those late games in the season, you know, where you're, you're trying to close out a, a playoff spot, and also with those two playoff matchups. Well, we we the most important thing was we needed. We needed all the extra work. I mean, this was our first year in our offense, you know, first year in our defense. Uh, the kids were still learning system, you know, learning how we coach and how we approach things, you know. So, so getting those two extra games and getting all the playoff, all, all the playoff experience and the practices that go along with it, was critical for us. But uh, the high pressure situations, I mean, because you know the Hawkins game. We played chase until the fourth quarter, and uh, uh, we had to make some some big plays and some big stops to to make that change. And uh, and then you know the San Augustine game, you know we were we really we were like seventeen down with the ball inside their twenty when we started the fourth quarter. I mean we're our mindset was if you know just keep plugging and and keep working towards it and and just see where that got us. And our our kids really, I saw a change really like week nine of our season as to how we approach things and and our thought processes and really the the mental side of the game improved and I just I just saw never quit in us in those last two games and, and it's carried over this season. Tom Keith sitting the head coach of the Norman G Panthers here on Texas football today get involved with the conversation hashtag TF today coach uh, I want to ask you about your offense in a moment but but the defense really stands out to me uh, you know, last year this was a defense that you know hit and miss some games here that they really looked good, but but other times where they struggled ended up averaging about 31 points a game per game uh, allowed. This this year, it seems like that defense has taken a real step forward. What do you think has been the difference on the defensive side for you guys? Well, I think being being in the in our off season and our conditioning number one. I mean, we hated that the that the season shortened last year with COVID. You know, because uh, we were we were really our continuity had really carried over, you know? So I think getting stronger, that was number one, understanding our system, number two. And then, uh, you know, the confidence that I think we carried over from last season came right in. And I think we played, we've played a lot faster. We've played a lot more physical than we did at any point last season. And, uh, that's really carried over. I mean, we have a lot of guys around the football and I mean, you know, when you have that kind of sellout effort, I mean, good things are going to follow. Uh, I, w- I want to ask you about about you moving to this job. You know, we haven't spoken since you took the job there uh, back in in December of 2018. You know, you you were on the uh, the staff there at, uh, at at Madisonville as an assistant coach and also the baseball coach there. Um, you move over to to Norman G, and you know, you read a, a lot of the, the the press clippings from from folks talking about what a good fit you are for for Norman G. But I kind of want to flip that question around. What was it about Norman G that made it such a good fit for you? Well, you know, honestly, I I really had no intention of getting back into the head coaching mm-hmm. ranks. You know, I, I really I thought I had scratched that itch at Leon. You know, and uh, I went over, you know, to Madisonville for for those two and a half years, and and working under under Coach Nell and, and the staff there. I mean, it really just kind of reinvigorated me 
you know, and, and being in that system and seeing how we did things under Coach Nell, um, I really just wanted I wanted to see how I could function, you know, carrying that system out. And, I mean, just coming over, I mean, I've been familiar with Normandy. I mean, I've, I've lived, you know, 20 minutes from there my entire life, you know. So, I think familiarity, knowing knowing the community, and uh, I just – it just felt like the right place. And I think our administration here, you know, I knew, I knew the, uh, the principal at that time, the, the, the superintendent, I mean, I just kind of, it just felt like home, you know, interviewing and, uh, and it's been that way since, I mean, they've been very supportive, the community and the administration. I, I can't ask for a better situation than we're in right now. Talking with Keith Sitton, the head coach of the Norman G Panthers here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation. Hashtag TF Today. Coach, obviously your offense has been really, really strong this year. Uh, you know, Not necessarily surprising considering some of the weapons you guys had coming back. One of those guys uh, is your quarterback, Mason Hardy, a guy who was an all-district guy last year's third year as a starter there. Um, you know, last obviously last week against Centerville had a really nice game. Uh, the numbers are impressive, but but as the guy who who coaches them, as the guy who talks to them, sees them in, in practice, uh, what is it about uh, your quarterback Mason Hardy that makes him special? Wow, he's he is probably the greatest team player I've ever coached. Mm. I mean, uh, um, there is nothing more important to him than the Normans you pass through and 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 having the team be successful. I mean, he we could we could move him to guard tomorrow, and <laughs> and he would he would take that role on wholeheartedly with a smile on his face and do that to the best of his ability. I mean, he's a natural leader uh, in the on and off the field. You know, uh, he's probably a better kid than he is a football player. Mm. And uh, I mean, there's just I can't say enough about what Mason does for our program. He's definitely the face of who we are, you know, and, and we definitely want him in that role because he's such a great kid. Finally, Coach, you know, you guys are not done. Uh, you're you're 9-0. and You've wrapped up the district championship, first seed in the playoffs, all the fun stuff. But uh, but because 2020 is just the strangest season of all time, we've, we've got to just add in some more, uh, some more wrinkles. Uh, you go back to week two. You guys are taking on Garrison, playing the first quarter. Game ends up getting canceled due to, due to lightning. You guys are now, this week, traveling to take on Grosbeck in a Week 11 non-district game. And on one end, you guys got everything locked up. You got the district championship, going to play first, you know, first round of playoffs. You know, you know where you're going. This game won't have any impact on that. On the other hand, you guys are chasing uh, your first out or your first undefeated, uh, undefeated season since uh, 1989. Um, so, how do you approach such a unique Week 11 matchup, non-district? Uh, uh, on one hand, nothing on the line. On the other hand, a lot on the line. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. We're we're not going to play that game. Oh, well, there you go. That makes things uh, easier. Flipped up on you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking I at the just, schedule, and I was like, okay, well, hey, a non-district game with Grossbeck, okay. I mean, when, when you know, we scheduled that game, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, then, then COVID happens, and, and so you, you set your district schedules, and then Grossbeck district absorbed our game, you know, because yeah. they moved their district schedule forward, and uh, – <laughs> And when they did, they, um, you know, they they took that date from us. So we both had an open, and we moved our date forward too. We moved our last game with Groveton up yeah. to that date. So um, we both had that spot open, and we were kind of like, well, if we get to that point and we agree to play, then we'll play it. But I, I'm I'm honestly, 
I mean, with with COVID and you know the the risk of injury. I mean, everybody that I talked with, because I, I you know kind of polled around different coaches, and I really didn't have anybody that said you need to play that game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, take it. That's absolutely well. Then let me take let me take that same question and and, and flip it then, which is. How do you approach this week? Now that you've got uh, coaches will say it's not a, it's not an off week. It's a, it's a, it's a week without a game. Next game you're going to play is a playoff game. Uh, how do you approach this week, knowing now that you're you you got everything settled and, and you want to get geared up for the playoffs? Well, the hardest part is 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 we really don't know who we're playing. Yeah. You know, uh, um, you know our district is lined out and seated out, but uh, um, you know that district can go any any number of ways mm-hmm. still in, in the in the two, three, and four spots. So, um, you know, we're going to be pretty generic in how we prepare as far as you know, what we do offensively and defensively. But, I mean, we, we are going to treat it a little bit like a, an off week. And uh, we're going back fundamentally, you know, uh, trying to touch back on some things we're seeing on film that we need to correct. Uh, but we're kind of beat up, you know. So we're, we're trying to lick our wounds a little bit and get those back to where we we need to be. And, uh uh, we, we've got to work on our kicking game. That's always a, a phase that, that you need to improve on. And, and we've gotten better in the last couple of weeks, but it's definitely a place where we need to concentrate on. So there's a lot of things that, that we can focus on and, um, you know, continue to improve on. He's Keith Sitton. He's the head coach of the 9-0 and and finished with the regular season. Norman G. Panthers, uh, their first undefeated regular season since 1989. Coach, congratulations on a fantastic year. Really appreciate your time. Uh, and uh, enjoy the enjoy the bye week, and best of luck in the playoffs. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. There he goes. Keith Sitton, the head coach of the Norman G. Panthers. Join us here on Texas Football Today. It's 2020, guys. The game's we got the we got the game <laughs> listed. Hadn't heard, but it also makes sense. I should have probably gone and checked and seen what Grosbeck's situation is, but obviously they weren't able to. They, they kept that kind of bye week. Um there but uh yeah we got a we got a sitting bomb on that one there we go there we go they go breaking news here <laughs> breaking it, news for people breaking news for for the state probably down in normandy they're probably like yeah that game's not happening dude yeah. why are you asking him about a game that's not gonna happen <laughs> like um, finish the question you know already man here's what's funny here's what here's what i think is great he let me finish the question yeah he let me like he let me like hang myself out to dry and be like uh-huh no, go on. Tell me about this big thing that's not happening. I'm going to let you go. It's very polite of him to not to interrupt. Oh, yeah. Anyway, appreciate Coach sitting, uh, ha- hanging out with us and uh, talking about his Panthers, who, look, we, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time lavishing praise on Timpson because of, obviously, that big win over Joaquin. But take a look at Region 2. Region 2, or Region 3, rather, of 2A Division 1. It gets really wide open because the team that has dominated Region 3 for the past, like, half decade in St. Augustine... They're they're you know plain simple. St. Augustine's just not having the, the year that they that they thought they were going to have. Um, so the question now becomes, you know, look, St. Augustine, the way that things are, are set, St. Augustine, believe it or not, missing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. St. Augustine, uh, it's it's uh, Timpson one, Joaquin two, uh, Shelbyville uh, Shelbyville three, uh, or Shelbyville Garrison in three four. Uh, Shelbyville still got to play West Harden. Uh, they should be big favorites over that. So now. Take a look at Region 3, and without St. Augustine, there is that kind of, like, vacuum mm-hmm. of who's going to take it. Maybe it's Timpson, right? Maybe it's Timpson, but why not Normandy? Why not a team, you know, we're going to see who they end up playing. They couldn't end up seeing a team like Holland in the, in, in the first round if things don't break the certain way. Hearn is off to a fantastic start. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, you know, I still think Joaquin's got something uh, got something cooking. And then if you want to be a believer in a team like Hawkins, right? There's, it, but right there, Nor- Normandy's a perfect example of a team that's like good enough at the right time. I was going to say, you just like, have to go they, out there if they and were, get it done. If they were this good last year, mm-hmm. it wouldn't matter because San Augustine was, I mean, you saw what happened. People. They ended up losing, I think, 82 to 40 or something in the right. second round of the playoffs, right? This is kind of a perfect storm there for Normandy of like, not only are they really good, and not only do they have a pretty senior heavy team, but the dominoes kind of fell. They're coming around. They're in an environment where they can thrive. Really interesting. Region three is going to be wide open, and and Normandy's a team certainly to keep an eye on. We appreciate Keith sitting, takes some time for us. We are Texas Football today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Become Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, TexasFootball.com. I was trying to get my phone charger. (laughs) Have you seen, let me ask you a question. Let me produce something on the fly here on the the air. Have you seen the Star Telegram's um, updated standings? How'd you do this week? Pickle is winning the uh, four-star Telegram picks. Conference. I haven't seen this. Week. I haven't seen it either. I don't know. Uh, they ju- they just sent out the new picks, I know. which usually what, means what... that we'll be getting a tweet here soon. I was going to say, come on, Brian I think Gossett. we had one difference. It was a private school game. Okay, you and I did. Yeah, I think See, so. See, and that's okay. So, but I think me, you, and the people so, in like me and all the second people in second. Okay, so here's the thing. You're in first place this year. Yes. I won it last year. Yes. Okay? And the year before, 2018? Matt Step. Step won it. So this is the Dave Campbell's dynasty. I don't care who among, like, uh, <laughs> among us wins, wins. Like, We just need, yes. we need one and two. Yes. We need, we need uh, one I, and yeah, two. Yeah, one and two would be great. I'll finish 12th. If it, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I just want Dave Campbell's at the top. Yeah. Anyway. Pickle. Let's talk about the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press Rankings. Dave Campbell's Texas Football uh, is unveiled its Week 11 statewide Texas high school football rankings on Monday on TexasFootball.com. The rankings are compiled by the Dave Campbell's Texas football staff. DCTF has published the state's most respected Texas high school football rankings for decades and is the official rankings provider of the Associated Press since 2019. Weekly rankings are revealed live on Texas Football Today every Monday at 12.34 p.m. and 58 seconds. Uh, and complete rankings can be found at texasfootball.com slash rankings. So this is the penultimate week for small schools. Mm-hmm. We will do 4A, we'll do a 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A postseason rankings, and then we're done for them. They get frozen. We don't update rankings throughout the playoffs because the playoffs, they don't really matter, you know. Uh, we'll continue to do the private schools, and we'll continue to do 6A and 5A through the end of their regular season. Mm-hmm. But once they get to the playoffs, we'll freeze those as well. So, this is the penultimate season, or penultimate one, for those teams. Let's start with the biggest classification, Class 6A. The same 25 teams comprise the 6A rankings, but there is a little bit of shifting. Denton Geyer escapes Prosper. They drop a couple of spots, thanks in large part to really nice wins from Bridgeland and Cedar Hill, who jump into the top 10. Bridgeland, their 62-20 win over Side Park, vaults them from 11 to number 9. Elsewhere, pretty chalky. Everything else, relatively the same. Uh, San Antonio Johnson remains undefeated at number 25. They are uh, after their big win over San Antonio Churchill. 
to 5A we go. 5A Division One is entirely chalky. Everybody was a winner or un- or they did not play. Uh, Denton, Ryan, Highland Park, Lancaster, Cedar Park, uh, Richmond, Foster, Manville, Longview, Lubbock, Coronado, Frisco, Lone Star, and Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial in the top 10. Highland Park and Longview, 2 versus 7 this week. 5A Division Two we go where... We got some movers, specifically the Huntsville Hornets. Big win over A&M Consolidated. Vaults them from number 10 to the number 4 team in Dave Campbell's Texas football. We do keep A&M Consolidated in the top 10. They drop from 3 to 10. Hanging on there. Still a believer in the Tigers, but I do want to see uh, them bounce back here. Uh, elsewhere, a lot of more or less unchanged. Fort Ben Marshall nudges into the top 3 at the number 3 spot with their big win over Houston Sharpstown. To 4A we go. 4A Division 1, where... We have a new entry into the top 10, which is a little bit rare. The Dumas Demons. Their win over Canyon bumps Canyon out of the top 10, and they take their spot at number 10. Everyone else uh, uh, behind them bumps up a spot. Melissa, El Campo, Paris, Midlothian Heritage, and Waco La Vega, all winners, all move up a spot. Top four unchanged. Argyle and passes. Who got a scare from Canyon Lake? Yes. Port Lavaca, Calhoun won via forfeit, and Corpus Christi, Cal Allen. By the way, this week, number three versus number four, Calhoun versus Cal Allen. Get Good excited. Stuff. For a Division Two, we go where uh, some other changes as well. Into the top ten, number nine Sealy. Their big win over Wharton moves them to six and two. They leapfrog Glenrose, who loses to Grandview in a close one, thirty-one to twenty-eight. We don't penalize them too much because it's a non-district game, uh, but a big mover here, Graham. Big winner over over Mineral Wells. They are up two spots. Everything else more or less the same. To 3A we go. 3A Division 1, where Hallettsville's big win over Columbus bumps Columbus out of the top 10 in their spot at number 10, the Vanderbilt Industrial Cobras, who beat Edna 38-14. to Most everything is uh, about the same. Uh, Pottsboro uh, and Jim, Jim Ned uh, switch spots. Pottsboro up to number 5. Jim Ned, who won via forfeit, they dropped to number 6, thanks on the strength of Pottsboro's win over Mount Vernon. Also, East Chambers up two spots from eight to number ten, or number ten to number eight. Three A Division Two we go, where we have uh, a little bit of shifting around. Number four Dangerfield loses twenty nine twenty eight to Hooks. We keep them in the top ten, but that was a real conversation we had as to whether or not drop them. We end up keeping them in. A spot does open up because of Wascom's loss to Elysian Fields. That spot is. Uh, uh, is taken by number nine Holiday, who beats Wichita Falls City View 31 to 13. Most everything else exactly the same. Top three unchanged: Canadian Gunner and Poth. East Bernard up a spot to number four. Two A we go. In Class Two A, uh, a little bit of changes there at the bottom. The big mover there is Tempson. Tempson at number eight vaults all the way to number four with their 63 to nothing win over Joaquin. They are almost certain to stay there because they are 10 and 0, the only 10 and 0 team in the state. I was fixing of Texas. to ask that. <laughs> the only 10 and 0 team at any level in the state of Texas is the Tempson Bears. Uh, Panhandle uh, into back into the top 10 with their win over Farwell. They take over at the number 10 spot. Normandy just talk with their coach. They are up a spot to number 10. Uh, with their win over Centerville. Number one and number two unchanged. Number top three, I should say, unchanged. Uh, poor Lindsay. Lindsay was idle. They ended up dropping spots because Timpson was so good. Mm-hmm. Two A Division two now. Where chalk. Everybody's a winner, including March seventy eight to six win over Bremont. My goodness gracious. Wheeler got a scare from Clarendon. They they've got a big game this week against Wellington. Everything else unchanged. One through ten. 
not affected. To six-man we go. The ranking compiled by our friend Granger Hunters at sixmanfootball.com, where one Division One is chalk. Everybody's a winner or idle. Top five unchanged. Sterling City, Borden County, Westbrook, Rankin, and May. Happy got a nice one over McLean. Mm-hmm. And to one Division Two we go, where... Almost Chuck. Groom and Richland Springs swap spots. They've been doing that all year long. Groom and <laughs> Richland Springs, three and four. Um, Jayton up or Jayton Klondike, uh, up both Leapfrog, Calvert, Jayton with their big win over Patton Springs moves to eight and one on the year. Everything else more or less unchanged. To the private school ranks, where for once we got a little bit of change. Yep. Private school eleven man ranks. We have a new entry. Uh, Plano John Paul II, a hard luck loser to Dow- top ranked Parish Episcopal. They end up dropping out of the rankings to make room for five and zero Dallas Christian, who was previously unranked. They take down Tyler Grace Community sixty three to fourteen. That is good enough to move them into the top ten. By the way, I believe Parrish and Fort Worth Nolan were supposed to play this week. According to Joseph Hoyt at the Dallas Morning News, that game has been postponed. Hmm. And in the six-man ranks, unchanged. Only two teams played. Austin Veritas beat Round Rock Christian, and Bastard Tribe Consolidated took down Victoria Homeschool, unchanged in the top five. You can find all these rankings at texasfootball.com slash rankings. Can we say, too, um, I know we talked about kind of a little bit of the odd side of how the rankings work in Monday morning fallout, but another we've had some questions along the lines of how does how does Geyer take down an undefeated Prosper team who was also ranked and still moved down, and the same kind of thing you sure. said with, like, Timps, like, Lindsey didn't play, but sure. Timpson went above. It goes with how they play. Yeah, I mean, margins matter. How they looked matter. Yeah. I know Matt Stepp was at the Geyer, Geyer Prosper game, game mm-hmm. and came away thinking, you know what, Geyer a little bit shaky mm-hmm. in that game. Uh, but furthermore, it was also a matter of, you know, for teams that move up, there's also teams or teams that move down, there's teams that, that leapfrog them. And, and give credit to Bridgeland, who was awfully mm-hmm. impressive uh, in their win over Side Park, and give credit to Cedar Hill, who was awfully impressive with their win over DeSoto. Now, look. The rankings will end up sorting themselves out. It's still early days yet. This is only, I believe, week. S- this is the sixth week of, s- of the big schools. So as a result, seven, there's still maybe. we're now moving into week seven. I don't know. Um, and so as a result, things will work themselves out. For example, uh, Desoto and Denton, uh, Desoto and, and, Cedar, and Hill. Cedar Hill play this week. Both those teams are presently ranked above Denton Geyer. So mm-hmm. I would anticipate that Geyer will probably move up a spot. Right. One would think if they hold serve. Uh, of course, they've got a big game down the road with their game against Allen. Uh, regardless, uh, you know, look, we're, we're trying to measure where we're constantly taking into account what we think of every team. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is that Bridgeland and and, uh, and Cedar Hill did enough to, to vault them. It's just the bottom line of it. So there you go. All right, Pickle. Good question. though. Yeah, I figured I was like, it mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, I can see how you would think just like numbers wise, like, well, why do they need to drop down? Yeah. And it's it's just relative to competition. So. In celebration of 100 years of UIL Texas High School football, the UIL and Dave Campbell's Texas football have teamed up to honor the best, the brightest, and the most unforgettable icons and legends in the sports illustrious history. With the help of some of the state's foremost experts and historians, the UIL and Dave Campbell's Texas football honors 100 of the greatest players to ever suit up in Texas, 100 of the finest teams to ever grace the gridiron, and 100 of the most fabled rivalries that give the game its one-of-a-kind flair. Each week throughout the 2020 season, Dave Campbell's Texas football announces 10 honorees on each list, an indelible honor to be known as one of the greatest in Texas high school football history. Fans will then have the opportunity to weigh in, voting for the player, team, and rivalry they think is the best of the best to be named to the UIL 100 fans' choice. It all leads up to a celebration as big as Texas, celebrating the UIL's 100 players, teams, and rivalries in the fans' choice top 10 in each category at the UIL Texas High School Football State Championship Games at AT&T Stadium in Arlington this December. 
Let's start with the UIL 100 Years 100 Players list, where we've got 10 new entries in the UIL 100 Years 100 Players list, including Converse Judson running back Gerard Douglas, Odessa running back Byron Townsend, West Orange Shark defensive back Kevin Smith, Burnett wide receiver Jordan Shipley, Euless Trinity offensive lineman Mike Babb, Longview defensive back Bobby Taylor, Brazoswood linebacker David Hodge, Odessa Permian wide receiver Roy Williams, Angleton linebacker Emmett Thomas, and San Antonio Brackenridge running back Warren McVay. Those are the new entries into the UIL 100 Years 100 Players list. You can vote for which player you believe deserves a spot on the Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL 100. Have fun voting on that because yeah. that is ridiculous. Uh, I, I, like, I don't even know. I'll be honest. I don't even know who I would vote for. for the, if, I, if I was like, all right, I'm definitely voting for a San Antonio kid. It's like, man, Warren McVay and Gerard Douglas are like two of the two all-time, all-time greats yeah. in San Antonio. It's amazing. Anyway, have fun. <laughs> On to the UIL 100 Years 100 Teams list. These teams, the newest members of the 100 Years 100 Teams, presented by our friends at HEB. 1980 Pittsburgh, 1998 Tenahaw, 2011 Refurio, 1932 Corsicana, 1955 Stamford, 1988 South Lake Carroll, 1948 Monahans, 1967 Austin Reagan, 1996 Louisville, and 1967 Lufkin Dunbar. Vote for which team you believe deserves a spot in the UIL uh, Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL100. Here's one thing about the 1932 Corsicana team. Mm-hmm. I did a little bit of research on them because I wrote up the blurb on texasfootball.com slash UIL100. Um, this is the team that allowed 19 points in 13 games and had three ties. They had, I believe, three scoreless ties, including one against Paul Tyson's Waco High team and in the title game against Fort Worth Masonic Home. So they ended oh, they ended the title game with a tie. Yeah. It was but wow. it, they ended up winning on penetrations. But All yeah. Right. Crazy. Like that the thirty two course cannon was wild. I always remember that Louisville won in nineteen ninety six because when I passed the Fighting Farmers um water tower, it says it on the side of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 true. Finally the UIL 100 Years 100 Rivalries list. These new rivalries uh, are etched into the uh, UIL 100 Years 100 Rivalries list, including Waxahachie and Ennis, Battle 287, Cameron and Rockdale, the Battle of the Bell, Plano and Plano East, Laporte and Deer Park, the Border Battle, Westlaco East versus Westlaco, the Tanaco Bowl, San Antonio Fox Tech versus San Antonio Lanier, also known as the Chili Bowl. Carn City versus Kennedy, Ozona versus Sonora, Longview versus Lufkin, and Houston Wheatley versus Houston Cashmere, the Lockwood Classic. Those are your new entries into the UIL 100 Years 100 Rivalries list. Vote for which rival you, you believe deserves a spot on the Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL 100. I love the I love the names of the rivalries. That's probably my favorite thing to to figure out. Like mm-hmm. what? Why are they called that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty cool. All right, pickle. Can I tell you about the uh, Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees? I would love to hear am it. I, am I allowed to? Yes. Dave Campbell's good. Texas Football, in conjunction with the Texas Bowl, is proud to present the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week award to the most deserving high schooler in the state of Texas. Every Monday at noon. 
TexasFootball.com announces 10 candidates for that week's award based on the previous week's on-field performance. We then leave it up to you, voting at TexasFootball.com. Um, and you can get the ain't send this to Will, actually. Uh, you can vote at uh, TexasFootball.com <laughs> as who you believe should be the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week winner. Voting closes Friday at noon, with the winner announced shortly thereafter. Now, your Week 10 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Prosper linebacker Aiden Ciano had 23 tackles, 8 tackles for loss, and 2 sacks. Ended up losing to Denton Geyer, but no fault through no fault of his own. Prosper linebacker Aiden Ciano. Round Rock running back Israel Morgan ran for 252 yards and 5 touchdowns on the ground and also had a touchdown receiving with 17 yards. Tempson wide receiver and defensive back Terry Bussey had 7 catches for 166 yards and 3 touchdowns receiving, plus 8 tackles and 2 interceptions. Um... I should probably also mention that he is a freshman. Yikes. He just turned 14. Whew. That, you can't even get your learner's permit for driving yet. He just turned 14. Yikes. I believe he was 13 to start the season. Holy cow. Floresville defensive lineman Cole Hamilton had 23 tackles, 5 tackles for loss, a fumble recovery, and a forced fumble. Fort Penn Hightower quarterback Jacoby Longino. He went 11-17 for 319 yards and three tu- six touchdowns passing, plus 65 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Mineola running back and linebacker Trevion Sneed had 34 carries for 327 yards and four touchdowns rushing, plus eight tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack. He's come on li- strong lately. He's had a huge, huge impact on, on mm-hmm. Mineola's rise. Needville running back Walker Warnke. Yep, Warnke. Had 28 carries for 278 yards, almost 10 yards carry, and six touchdowns on the ground, plus 10 tackles, a forced fumble, and a pass breakup. Godly quarterback Caden Burke went 22 of 29 for 471 yards and eight touchdowns through the air. Hallettsville running back Jonathan Brooks, 22 carries, 299 yards and six touchdowns rushing, nine tackles, and he averaged 44 yards a punt. And finally... Knox City running back Trace Fausto. Frausto, I should say. Easy for me to say. 16 carries, 403 yards, and 8 touchdowns on the ground for the Knox City Greyhound. So those are your Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees for Week 10. Vote now at TexasFootball.com. Vote early, vote often, vote now. I still can't believe that that one kid is 13, or just turned 14. He's 14. Terry Buss. That's nuts. Dave Campbell's Texas Football is proud to honor one head football coach in each classification with the Coach of the Week Award. Each coach recognized with a special honor typifies the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 10, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coach of the Week. In 6A, Scott Stewart from Temple. Trilling 20 to nothing in the second quarter of a key district game with Colleen Harker Heights, Scott Stewart's squad rallied in a major way to come from behind for a 38-36 win to improve to 5-1 on the season and 3-0 in District 12 6A play. In 5A, James Brown from Mansfield Timberview. Coach Brown's Wolves locked up the top seed in their zone in the District 5-5A Division II with a resounding 61-14 win over Joshua to improve to 5-0 in the season, setting up a showdown with Alito. In 4A, Aaron Dunham from Dumas. Coach Dunham's Demons took a major step towards the District 3-4A Division I title Friday night, knocking off unbeaten state-ranked Canyon 23-9 to improve to 8-1 on the year. In 3A, Brandon Houston from Buffalo. The Bison were picked near the bottom of the district standings in 13-3A Division II in the preseason. But Coach Houston's squad proved doubters wrong all year and did it again, improving to 8-1 with a heart-stopping 38-37 win over Lexington on Friday night. 
In two, a Scott Funke from Smyre. Coach Funke's uh, uh, Bobcats are one of the real surprise stories on the South Plains, and they put a bow on the 2020 season with a 56-19 win over Sudan to improve to 6-3 on the year and clinching the first district title in school history. Very cool. In 1A, Scott Edmondson from Brooksmith. Coach Edmondson's Mustangs got 218 yards and three touchdowns from Avery Williford as they took down Blanket 68-52, putting themselves in the driver's seat for the first district title since 1985. And in the private school ranks, Chris Softley from Lubbock Christian. After falling behind early to district rival Willow Park Trinity Christian, Softley rallied his Eagles as they brought home a 22-20 win to remain unbeaten. So those are your Week 10 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. Congratulations to all the coaches. Thanks for all you do for your teams, schools, and communities. For more information, visit texasfootball.com. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com, TexasFootball.com, where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. All right, Pickle, let's round it all out with a nice campus Crawl. That is where we take a look at the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas and what they did this past week. So let's do it, Pickle. We're going to go in alphabetical order. We will start. That means we have to start with Baylor. <clears throat> I want to quote Ishmael Johnson here. He had a oh, tweet. I love Ish quotes. He had a tweet this past week. I want to make sure I can find it. In fact, you know what? Yeah, just, let's not. Let's, I let's make sure to, uh, we, we credit Ish just, properly. Yeah. Ishmael Hard. Also, while you're looking that Twitter. up, if y'all didn't know, we have a new Dave Campbell's uh, college football Twitter page, and Ish's Photoshop work on that thing is unbelievable. You should go follow it. Yes. Um, let me tell you. This is uh, this was sent at 3.13 uh, p.m. on October 31st. Quote from Ishmael Johnson. Baylor is officially butt. <laughs> how, how did I miss that? <laughs> so, let's talk about Baylor. You heard it here first. <laughs> so they lose 33-23 to 23, uh, in a game that had no business being that close. No. This game was 30-7. to 7. It was 30 to nothing with like a minute to go until halftime. Okay? Mm-hmm. Baylor came out and got trounced. And the offense at one point had fewer yards than TCU had points. In fact, let's go through here. Here are TCU's, or I'm sorry, here's Baylor's first half drives. Ready? Mm-hmm. Three plays punt. Three plays punt return. Touchdown. Interception. I'm sorry, four plays interception. Three plays punt. Three plays punt. Four plays downs. Three plays punt. Five plays punt. Five plays touchdown. Okay? Their offense was horrifying. And basically, they, they were able to put it together in the second half and, and get a couple of drives going. But the game was well in hand from there. I don't know. I, I, I know I like. I know that I have been on this bandwagon. I, I know that I've said this before. And I like Charlie Brewer. Mm-hmm. I want to be very clear. I like Charlie Brewer. But something's wrong. Like, I yeah. don't know how you can look at this and be like, this is fine. Especially, like, I don't know if they just don't have any faith in Gary Bohannon, if they don't have any faith in Jacob Zeno. Mm-hmm. But, like, they keep putting, like, they keep putting Charlie Brewer out there, and and they continue, like, he continues to not be able to throw the ball past about six yards. And I think that's the most frustrating part is where, like, what, like, why? 
Why like, can't there's no he real explanation? Well, and that's like the thing. <laughs> Charlie Brewer did not become a bad quarterback overnight. No, not he at didn't all. become it over over an offseason. Charlie Brewer was great last year. So the question is, is he hurt? Is the uh, like is is the offense just not built for him? Is is it just a problem with Larry Fedora, the offensive coordinator? Yeah. Is the team just not good enough around him? Either way, right now, Baylor's 1-3. and three. And by the way, they've now got to go to Iowa State, 17th-ranked Iowa State. Like, there's no more gimmies on the schedule. And we shouldn't have all these questions in Week 9. No! We should know no. what the answer to what in the world is going on down there. You know, like, no. we should at least know, like, oh... It, they're just bad, but right. we, we don't because there's no and, option and look, to figure that out. And look, out. here's the thing about uh, here's the thing about this this team is that yes, Dave Aranda is a defensive guy, mm-hmm. and I think overall the Baylor defense has been okay. Ranked 37th in 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 total defense. That's fine. That can win you games. Okay, it's pretty good. Okay, they are 90th in total offense. There are they are barely over 300 yards a game. Okay, they. Baylor is averaging fewer yards per play and fewer yards per game than UTEP. Hop on that miners train. I'm just like, I don't know what's wrong with Baylor, but something offensively is broken. And if they don't address it in a serious way, they're going to lose the rest of their games. Like, I'm sorry. Look at the rest of their schedule, okay? Iowa State, at Tech, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Tell me who you're sure they're beating with that offense. Not a single one. None of them. them. The offense has got to figure it out. Let's move on to Houston, which is not necessarily even cheerier. No. Houston loses to uh, to UCF, forty four to twenty one, and the defense just kind of gave out. The defense tried to hold them in, uh, but but ended up this game got got away from them real late. Um, they ended up kind of getting blown out of the water. This game again, this is this game was closer than than it indicates. Um, Clayton Toon was not particularly sharp in this game, and they were not able to run the ball effectively. Most importantly. Um, their offense got, or their defense got shredded. Mm-hmm. And it's now time to start looking at this. You know, you start looking, we've, we've got a decent enough a sample size, right? That we, I think we we understand where uh, this team is and who this team is. The bottom line of it is that this offense, or this, this offense I think is pretty good, but can be prone. Like if Clay, if, if they're not able to run the ball and Clayton Toon's not super sharp, they can be kind of prone to have a, a, a meh game. And the defense is just Blah. Like I don't know, and 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 they're, I'm I'm a little bit worried about them uh, as a team that, particularly the the secondary, which is traditionally the strength of this um of this team, is a little bit wobbly. And what's most concerning is that they got gashed up the middle by Otis Anderson, and Greg McRae. I they didn't were, expect the score to look like that. No, nah, it was it's disappointing. And again, this is one of those things that I don't want to let the first three quarters. After the first three quarters, it was twenty three to thirteen, which sounds like a better score. Yes, <laughs> like more of what we would have expected. But but UCF ran away with it. Like, anyway, Houston now drops to two and two. Their next game is oh joy, they're at Cincinnati. Lovely, cool, cool beans. Next up, I mean here's. I mean, we we've now at this point, 
it's now fair to say that like we're not going to have a it's unlikely that we'll have a conference champion this year, right? Um SMU still got a shot, but they've got a conference loss at Cincinnati yeah. and so like they'd have to leapfrog Cincinnati. Um Yeah, to Now, be you know, there fair. is going to be the, I mean, now you look at the standings, right? Um Yeah, I mean I mean, heck, if Rice can win out. If they, I mean, look, now here's the thing. They can get back into it. They can get back into it. And remember, the top two go and play in the um, top two go and play in the conference title game. So maybe. Yeah. The, but like it's it's now looking unlikely. Anyway, disappointing. Next up, North Texas. Did not play. How North Texas do? They they won the staying in Denton award. Rice. Rice. Yeah. What that? You know, we talked about it on free money. And we talked about it, it's like this is a hard game to call because I think that Southern Miss is probably better than Rice on paper. Yes. But you wondered where their head was at because they're on their third coach of the year. Yes. And the coach just straight up left in the middle of the season. In the middle of the week. In the middle of the week. <laughs> uh, and, and look, I want to give credit to, 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 um, to Rice. Uh, they forced the issue and they forced three turnovers and ended up coming up with, uh, you know, Ended up being, I believe, plus two in the turnover margin. And look, Mike Collins, buddy, you give us that every week. We're on Not going to have any problems, man. Mm-mm. 12 of 17, 233 yards and four touchdowns. This is what I think Mike Bloomgren wants his offense to look like. They're not asking Mike Collins to go out there and throw the ball 40 times. They're running the ball effectively with uh, Jumo Oviano and a little bit with Kalen Griffin. Uh, and they've got a couple of big-time playmakers. Austin Trammell is a stud. And by the way, now that every res- good receiver, Marcus Stevenson got hurt for Houston, like every good receiver in the state's pretty much hurt right now. Like, maybe Austin Trammell's the best receiver in the state. That's not here either. My point is, great win for Rice. They're 1-1. One and, one, and now, who did they take? Um, ooh, that's right. They get UTSA this week. I'll be fun. Next up, SMU. Uh, yeah, look, that that was Navy's a team that's traditionally given them a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to more or less hold down the rushing attack. Navy did actually throw a fair amount on them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you could talk about whether or not that's concerning, but it doesn't matter. Like, when they run the ball, this is pretty easy. I'd love to draw a correlation here and see if there's actually this correlation. When SMU runs the ball effectively... They are really hard to stop. They're, the offense is just really difficult. The defense eh, kind of leaves something to be desired, right? But take a look at this. Let me see this. Situational stats. Let me see if I can get the splits. Okay. In their wins, they average 5.3 yards per carry and have 18 rushing touchdowns in their six wins. Mm-hmm. In their one loss, they average 1.9 yards per carry. Yep. When they run the ball, they are, they are very good. And Ulysses Bentley had a great game in this game. Um, and, and yeah. That's... And I mean, heck, that was proven and last year. And by the way, Shane year. Michelle continues to do his thing. 300 yards again. Yeah, that was proven last year. Once they started running the ball, that's when that team really, really took off. Right. And I think that it's the exact same way this year. Yes. Which is big considering they don't have all those parts, but. Right. Um, Shane Bouchelle, second leading passer in the state, or in the nation. There you go. Only behind Dylan Gabriel at UCF who got done carving up. Our sweet cover boy. Next up, TCU. For all we're going to do, for, for us, as much as we... I, I want to make sure I spend equal time or at least equal energy praising TCU. Yes. Because we got done just burying Baylor. Mm-hmm. I thought what you saw was when TCU's offense, once again, doesn't ask their quarterback to do everything. Mm-hmm. Max Duggan, fine. Fine. Re- just, just, just what you need from him. Yeah. More importantly, 
Darwin Barlow got going. Long touchdown run. Zach Evans started getting going. He had his first touchdown, right? They were able to run the ball effectively, and then the defense just put the clamps on. The defense, the de- well, here's, what, here's what the defense did really well for TCU. What the defense did really well for TCU is that when Baylor got down on themselves, they did not let them back up. Mm. They said, nope, you're staying down there. They're staying down there until the game was out of reach, until it's 30 to nothing. Right now, you know they uh, they had some lapses in the second half. I don't hold them that against them. Baylor obviously figured some things out, but I think that they were able to to play kind of prevent defense for the rest of the game. Great win for TCU. Really impressive win. They're two and three on the year. Now they go to take on Tech this week. That'll be fun. Next up, Texas. Well, look for for a guy who spent the entire week hearing about how he needs to be fired. Tom Herman sure has a, a habit of coming up big when the chips are down. Yep. Taking down number six. We'll, On uh, the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, they ran the ball well. Special teams were very good. Mm-hmm. Defense... Got, did enough to get the job done. Did enough. Which is what you asked for at this um, point. <laughs> Most importantly, like they got, um, they had an outstanding, outstanding game from Joseph Osai on the defensive front. The defensive front was really good. That guy Secondary, was but the defensive front was very good. You hold Chuba Hubbard to two point nine yards per carry, you've done something right. Yep. They were able to, they got, they got shredded in the secondary. That's fine, but most importantly, they, they came up it. with big plays. Joseph Osai was excellent. Uh, they were able to run the ball and look. Uh, you know, Sam Ellinger came up aces down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Came up aces. And, and that's what you expect from a senior quarterback. And and so, yeah, look, Texas, for all the wailing and gnashing of teeth, there's 4-2. And, 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 and by the way, you can make the real argument they're past tough part of their schedule. Yep. West Virginia, Kansas, Iowa State at home, but Iowa State on the day after Thanksgiving is no fun. And then uh, Kansas State. Like you can make a real argument, they're past tough part. They're past the real tough part of their schedule. But that also means that they have to keep their head in gear and not go out there and just mess up one of these games the that meme? should be. What's the in. meme? Tom Herman is as a favorite, something like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, next up, Texas A&M. Talk about more good things. Yeah. Uh, uh <laughs> this game threatened to get weird and then didn't. Um, and again, this game was was out of reach going to the fourth quarter, and then they kind of gave up a couple garbage time touchdowns. I thought Kellen Mond was excellent in this game. I thought he was great. That's one of his best games he's played as an Aggie. Super sharp, mm-hmm. super sharp. Uh, running game, fine, whatever, you know, fine. Um, this was a, and, and, and maybe they found some other weapons to step up. Uh, Jalen Widermeyer, they're continuing to throw to the tight end a lot. Uh, Aeneas Smith uh, can be kind of, I don't think he's a number one receiver, but I think he's a very solid option. Mm-hmm. Um, this is great. Most importantly, they did not turn the ball over. They yep. took care of the stinking football. Defense came up with some big plays. I thought Buddy, I thought their linebackers were great. Mm-hmm. Linebackers were great in this game. They were, I, yeah. overall, I got nothing to complain about for a Nothing. I thought this was a really effective, really impressive win. Um, and by the way, they're at South Carolina this week. At Tennessee, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee's kind of a floundering program right now, but now all of a sudden, it, all eyes are starting to look on that that uh, that that showdown with Auburn at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not going to win the SEC West because they lost to to a or to Alabama. So they're not gonna, they're, they're all, like unless Alabama really collapses down mm-hmm. the stretch. I don't see that happening. Uh, they're not going to win the they're not going to win the the SEC West. But I mean, Cotton Bowl, Cotton Bowl would be great. Cotton Bowl would be really good, especially for all the tumult, 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 tumult. What's the noun version of tumultuous? 
tumult. I yeah. would say tumult would make the most sense. All the tumult they went through in the off season. Tumult. Texas State. Um, I mean, look, Brady Mc, Brady McBride giveth and Brady McBride taketh away. He does some really good things, but like three picks are not going to do it. And he tries to he tries to fit into some tight windows. He is a gambler, and and unfortunately, the it, the gamble did not pay off against uh, Louisiana. They were in the game. Um, they're in the game, but just could not. You know, they they they, they kind of let it get away from them right before halftime. Most discouragingly is that that defense continues to like. I think they're starting to run out of gas. Yeah, they're um, looking because and Levi Lewis tired. carved him up. Uh, Trey Regis carved him up on the ground. Um, they were able to run the ball. Brock Sturgis had a nice game. Uh, disappointing. Texas State's now one and seven. Believe it or not. Ugh. Still, that didn't, record didn't really is so much that. worse for the first couple of games of the season. I just, but I just, like, I feel. I'll say this: they're one and seven. They are better than most one and seven teams. Yes, I think they're a. I think they are. A, I, I don't. I'm not saying that they're a winning team, but like they're closer in my mind, like a three and four team, yes. than they are to a one and seven team. They should have won those early on games. Should have beaten SMU. Should have beaten UTSA. Uh, had a great shot to knock off Boston College, who almost beat Clemson this week. Yep. Um, like should have won that game. Had a had a shot against. They've been in every game, but the problem is you're running out of you're running out of shouldas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Because by the way, you still got Appalachian State on the schedule. Um, you still got you know, I think they're better than Arkansas State. I think it'd be Arkansas State. But then they got to close out by the way with suddenly a top fifteen Coastal Carolina team. <laughs> what? The Chanticleers. They have a great basketball court. If you're wondering. There's breaking news from Ashley Pickle. Texas Tech. I mean, I'm not really sure what I expected. Um, you know, we, we asked the question of, like, which mirage was real. Mm-hmm. Was it the was it Oklahoma OU. figuring it out, or yeah. was it, like, the Tech defense figuring it out? And the answer was OU. Um, Spencer Rattler was great. They they ran the ball really well with Rom Stevenson and stuff like that, and Seth McGowan got into it. And I think all I all ex- sorts of weapons. And, and most importantly, like, look, you can't, you can't turn the ball over three times and win. You can't be – were they minus three? Yes. Yeah, they were minus three in the turnover margin. They can't do that. Can't do that. Henry Columbia's not good enough to, to hold you in, and, and, and it's just – I don't know. I don't know. Disappointing. Um, I, I didn't mean, expect it to get at that out of hand that quickly. I mean, yeah. This I think f- that you could well, have by the way, longer. I mean, and, and for all that we were talking about, about like how the um, – about how the the um the A and M win was like that's not really as close as it was. Uh, this is exact sixty two twenty is exactly what it should have been. I mean, this game was 48-14 at halftime. I mean, this game was over, over, over. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. It was disappointing. Disappointing from Tech. Uh, they are two and four. Um, I don't think there's anybody chirping about Matt Wells. I don't think there should be. No. But now they got to go to TCU, which is not going to be very fun. Anyway, UTEP. I mean, it's it's a tough situation out there in El Paso, mm-hmm. and I I I am a little bit concerned that we're not going to see them anymore. That they just might be done because it's guys. I mean, if you don't know this, El Paso's got it, got got coronavirus really bad, like right really bad, like one of the worst places in the nation. So, um, anyway, UTEP doesn't get to play. They are theoretically supposed to play. You're supposed to play good looking. Come on, let me pull up my computer and see if I can get this. They they are supposed to play this week, I believe. Um, where are you, UTEP? Yeah, they're supposed to play Florida International at home. I don't know. F- I believe FIU, although FIU, FAU, one, no FIU. 
Leave FIU's had their own coronavirus problems. I wonder if that game's mm-hmm. going to happen. We'll find out. Um, anyway, that's a little bit disappointing. Finally, UTSA. Speaking of disappointing. Yeah. 24 to 3. My goodness, what a popcorn fart of an offensive performance this was. There was nothing. Like, literally nothing. Ugh. There was, like, there. yeah. I can't think of, like, one positive play from that offense. So they had 230 yards total offense. And if you take out Frank Harris, mm-hmm. I think they, had, they might have had less than 100. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. And, and, and they were not able to get anything going offensively. They were not able to establish the run. You know, credit to FAU. They, they came in with a good game plan. But they were not able to... They were not able to string together drives. Mm-mm. Like they were, they were just woeful. Five of eighteen on third down. They were woeful. They only averaged three point six yards per pass. So FAU just challenged them uh, to to find to dink and dunk their way down the field. and They just couldn't do it. Uh, it was really disappointing. This is this is you know they're four and four. This is the first time that they've played a game that I'm like. That was not. That was ugly. Mm-hmm. Like even like the loss to BYU was, was, I think, a good loss. The loss to Army, I thought, was yeah, they hung in there, stuff like that. Well, like we said, they can just get in there and get in your head. Like they kind of yeah. just muck things up. But well, now that you know, look, they're supposed to be getting into a soft part of the schedule, right? Mm-hmm. There is no. They're four and four. I'll be honest. They shouldn't lose another game at Rice, UTEP, at Southern Miss, North Texas. They should run the table from here. Mm-hmm. It's time to put up. Oh, it's week ninety-five. I didn't know that. Oops. Anyway, that is <laughs> it feels like week ninety five. <laughs> that is the campus crawl. And now, oh my God, it's one thirteen. Yes. Good lord. Yeah. All right, we got Ashley Pickle from America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. I'm sorry, this I got I got heated about college football this weekend. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, two things, just real quick. One, they released our uh, Fort Worth Star Telegram picks, and you and I are leading the pack. Let's tied go! at first. 85 and 15. And we do not collude, by the way. No. We like, we, I don't tell uh, you who I'm picking. You don't tell me. Um, I have no – yeah, we have never talked about the picks all right. I t- until after they right. come out. The new goal is we to tie for first. Yes, that is the absolute goal. The goal is for tie, tie for first. first. And right now we're there. And the best part about it is there's one guy below us, and then there's a whole nother gap. So we're we're two games off of third place, so this is good. We're, Let's things are looking go! Up. Yeah, go DCTF. Um, the one other thing I was going to say, and someone brought this up in the comments, and I thought it was good to probably talk some people showing some uh, thoughts and prayers for, for yes. Coach Rutledge. Yeah, if you so. did not hear this, uh, so D.W. Rutledge, the legendary um, Converse Judson coach, mm-hmm. uh, and then also uh, did unbelievable things as, I want to say, the executive director of the Texas High School Coaches Association. Mm-hmm. He was in a really bad bicycle, bicycle. cycling accident yeah. this weekend. Um, and, and is in is in the hospital in like a bad way. I mean, they were talking like cracked ribs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's pretty bad. So if you are the uh, praying type, then say a prayer. If you are not the praying type, then hold a thought uh, for uh, the the legendary D.W. Yeah. Rutledge. It sounds like yesterday was better than the day before. Mm-hmm. So Which hopefully we're trending in a positive direction. But please make sure uh, hold a thought, say a prayer for Coach Rutledge down there in San Antonio. In San Antonio. Uh, he could certainly use him right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks to Norman G. Coach. Keep sitting for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please give your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow for a much shorter show on Texas Football Today. <laughs>